Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm joined now in the studio by Sinead McCarthy and her husband, Pat. Uh, Sinead is encouraging people to vote yes uh, in the forthcoming referendum on the 25th of May. Um, and uh, Sinead is 37 weeks mm-hmm. pregnant. You're very welcome. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks for making the journey. Eden Derry. Eden Derry. Yeah. Both of you are from Eden Derry? Yeah, we indeed. Are. Right. How long are you married? Nine years. Right. Last Tuesday. Right. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, how many children have you got? We have two daughters. Holly is seven and a half and Ruby's almost six. Right. Now, this is going to be tough enough for you. Sinead is 37 weeks mm-hmm. pregnant. Um, so bring us back to Christmas time. You're going for your third scan on your third baby. Yeah. Um, I went on my own that morning because it was my third scan and everything had been going well. So I... I didn't put pressure on Pat to take a day off. I said, no, I'll, I'll go on my own. All, all will be OK. Um, so little did I know that when I went in for my scan that I would get the news that we did that day. Um, the consultant that was scanning me, uh, I, he just went quiet during the scan and his his face changed and I, I knew instantly there was something something wrong. So... He suggested that I, I I go upstairs for a second scan and uh, another opinion um, from a sonographer that works in the hospital. Um, so I was brought upstairs and the, the sonographer said within a couple of minutes, I'm afraid I have to confirm the doctor's suspicions. Um, she explained a little bit about the baby's diagnosis to us, or to me, sorry. And I was brought back down to meet the doctor again, where he he said to me, I'm very sorry, your baby is incompatible with life. So did he say those exact words? He did. He said the baby is incompatible with life. Um, there There is no chance of survival in, in this case. And I asked him when he would bring me in and... I would have the baby and he said it won't be before 36 weeks my hands are tied I can't do anything for you here Did you ask why? I I didn't because my friend had been through a similar situation and even though I had asked him when he he gave me the answer I I knew it was because of the Eighth Amendment because I had seen Kira go through the same with our little boy. Mm. So. so, Pat, you were at work. How did you contact Pat about it? I just rang Pat on his mobile and I, I asked him how long would it take him to get to Mullingar. And he was um, in Sligo with a loaded lorry, so he said, I'll be at least four hours. And um, when I told the doctor, he said, that's that's fine, we, I'll wait for him. He said, I, I need to talk to you both together. So um, I left the hospital and I, 
the weather was so bad I, I didn't want to drive home because I would have had to come back again and I didn't trust myself to drive at that stage. I was just sh- shaking. Distraught, yeah. Yeah, so um, I sat in the car for four hours, basically, and waited for Pat. And when he arrived to Mullingarden, I just, he, he knew there was something wrong, but I couldn't tell him exactly on the phone. I just said, you need to get here. So um, when he arrived, I, I explained that the baby wouldn't survive Um and that the doctor wanted to speak to us. So we went back into the hospital and the doctor met with us and he was very nice and he he said he would look after us no matter what we decided. So I knew what he meant, that it was, you know, we had, we had to travel or go ahead. So Pat asked the doctor, um, did the baby have any chance of survival? Did did the baby? She even have one percent. Well, at the t- that time, we didn't actually know she was a girl. And he said, "No, there's no child alive in the world with your baby's diagnosis." How 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 do you cope with that sort of news? <laughs> we just fell apart. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. You were left then to go home with that information. Yeah, it was the 11th of December. So um, they referred us to the Rotunda Hospital for the next day. So we we met Professor Malone on the Tuesday and he said that um, he would confirm the doctor from Mullingar's um, diagnosis. And he sat and he said, there's just no sugar coating it. Um, there's no ifs, buts or maybes. The baby is has a diagnosis that's 100% fatal. Um, he, they had both told us they would look after us no matter what we decided. So we, we spoke to a midwife and she sent our details to Liverpool Women's Hospital. But it's not something that you can decide on in five or ten minutes or even a couple of days so when we got the phone call from Liverpool they offered us an appointment the following week which was days before Christmas basically we had a a pantomime booked with the kids, they knew about it, they had Christmas shows Um, I was told because I had a previous C-section I could could be a week over there Um, just the worry of if anything happened we were Pat's mother and father were uh, both only um, had only been discharged from hospital so it would have been unusual for us to just disappear at a time like that um, So were the two of you carrying this information around in your heads not sharing did you share it with anybody? My mother and Pat's sister knew and that was it Yeah But for everybody else you had to put on this Yeah Happy Christmas Yeah we didn't want pregnant with your third child. Yeah, and lots of this is your last Christmas as a family of four, and next year you'll be busy, and won't it be great? You'll have a six-month-old, and um, we, I don't know, I don't know how we got through it. I really don't. Like, I'm just interested in the language from the people you, you dealt with. Does anybody say it out up, up front? That you can travel to Liverpool for, is it, what, what's it called? Is it called a termination or an early induction or what's it called? Well, it's a, in the case of a fatal fetal abnormality, it's, it's called a compassionate induction. A compassionate induction, yeah. right. So um, 
we were we were told that we could, but the only thing the hospital can do for you is send your details, basically your name, address, um, and the details of the baby's diagnosis. Okay, and and then it's up to Liverpool then to ring you and yeah. take it from there. And it's up to you to organise your flights, your accommodation, um, absolutely everything. And then you have the added worry of. Will we be able to bring the baby home? Can we bring the baby on a flight? I mean, we were trying to look up everything and basically you have to smuggle the baby onto the flight or sail home with your baby in the boot of a car or in many cases to leave them behind and I couldn't bear to do that. So you're coming to grips with the reality that this baby that you wanted, were going to love, uh, isn't going to live. Yeah. So you're, you're coping with that. And now on top of this, you've to choose whether to bring that baby to term mm-hmm. or to travel abroad to Liverpool for a compassionate induction. Yes. What, 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 what was the, the chats between yourself and, and Pat and your mum and your sister? What were they like? Um, well, they were, ma'am, my mother and Pat's sister were extremely supportive. They said that they would help us in any way they could and um, it was up to us what we decided. Um, there was no judgment because we explained exactly what was happening and that the baby had no chance of survival. It, it wasn't as if she had been diagnosed with a disability or anything that she could live with, like there, there we knew and we knew for certain that she, she has no chance of survival. Um, so we we just talked, Pat said to me, if if you want to go, we'll, we'll go. But it was, it was just, just so traumatic. As well as that, the, being the Christmas period, we really felt... Um, left to our own devices, you know, we were at home and trying to look up the weather to see if there possibly could be a storm that might affect the flights and terrified that if we went, we wouldn't get back for Christmas. And what do you tell two little girls? Mummy and Daddy won't be here for Christmas. What age is Holly? Holly is was just turned seven at the time, so right. she's almost seven and a half. And Ruby's? Ruby will be six in June. Okay. Yeah, so... And they are full of Santa Claus and Absolutely. all the excitement that comes with Christmas and pantomimes and all that. Yes. So you were living a double life. Absolutely, yeah, we were. Um, I mean, Christmas dinner was still cooked and um, Santa still came. And I don't know how we did it because after Christmas, Holly said that was the best Christmas ever. <laughs> I was I was delighted to hear that, but I was shocked that that was because I didn't feel yeah. that we even made it a good Christmas for them, but we tried our best to just keep everything as normal as possible for them. And if you didn't take up that offer from Liverpool, was that it gone or was there, could you? Well, we we were told, I, I, I cried down the phone and I said, you don't understand this. This isn't just... Um, this isn't an abortion. I said, we want this baby. We've only just found out her diagnosis. And we were told, you know, we're very busy here. If you don't take this appointment, you'll go down as a refusal and we don't know when we can give you another one. So um, 
we were told to wait until after Christmas. Um, we we were just uh, we didn't know what to do, but mm. it was just extremely stressful. And then you have, of course, the risk of somebody seeing you in the airport and the stigma of it. And and there shouldn't be that because look, we didn't do anything wrong, and. It's like you're being punished. Bringing her home to give her a, a burial, like, you know, it was a huge thing. Like, we just couldn't fathom leaving her over there for some courier to deliver her and ashes in a couple of weeks' time. Like, you know, that just simply wasn't an option. Mm. Do you put her in the boot of a car and bring her home on a ferry? Smuggle her onto a plane? You know, like, the, what's the least worst option? Yeah. And all of that, like, so we decided at the end that in the circumstances in Ireland at the moment this was the least worst option for us at the moment like was to go on with it but like so you're what stage are you at now I'll be 37 weeks on Saturday right yeah knowing all the time so that's 20 weeks now you've been living with this yes the knowledge that the baby you're carrying won't survive yeah and constantly wondering when I haven't movement, you know, is, is she gone um, already? Or will we will we get to meet her alive? Or after all this time that we've spent waiting, um, there is a huge possibility that she will be stillborn. Yeah. So in the decision making to decide to go to term, was it as you described, the horror of having to go to another country and everything that's involved with that and getting your dead baby back home yes. to give her, a, you know, a proper funeral. Or was there some? Was that the main reason you decided to do what you're doing? Um, we just found it, the whole process of having to leave your country for compassion, basically. Um, it was important to me that our baby and we've Grace is her name that she will be buried with my father um, we didn't want her to be delivered her ashes to be delivered by a courier weeks later it's it's just terrible yeah well, you, I, I suppose you put yourself through the torture of reading about all these things did you of, yeah. I did of happened? course if, as soon as we Found out she had no chance of survival. We were, I was, I mean, even that day in Mullingar, I sat in the car for four hours and I Googled her condition and I realised the doctor was correct and um, she didn't have any chance. And we looked up similar stories and um, what do people do in this situation? Because we, we had obviously never, ever dreamt that we would ever be in these shoes. And... Like, it, really, we were told that this was just desperately bad luck. So anybody has the chance of this happening to them, mm. you know, and you can't describe the, the, the pain of it to anybody. You, you get yourself a drink of water and we just take, we'll take a, a, a quick break. Um, and uh, we're talking to Sinead and Pat and we'll continue our conversation after a commercial break. Welcome back. Um, we're talking to Sinead and Pat McCarthy from Eden Derry. And Sinead is 37 weeks mm-hmm. pregnant. At her third scan, she was told that 
uh, her baby was incompatible with life. That was the phrase used. Yes. Yeah. And um, you've decided to go full term. Now, since you got the diagnosis at Christmas till now, we're in nearly the middle of May. So you're going around as a pregnant woman. Yes. And everything that goes with that. I suppose we start with your nearest and dearest first then. How do you tell a five-year-old and a seven-year-old that the little baby sister that they thought they were going to have isn't going to live? Well, when we had made our minds up that we didn't feel able to travel, um, we decided, obviously, the kids have to know. And they, you can't tell a five- and a seven-year-old something so big and ask them to keep it a secret. So we agreed that... It couldn't be a secret, and we would have to we would have to tell people. Um, so we sat them down and we said that um, we had been to see the doctors, and they had told us that the baby was a little girl, and they were both excited to hear that. Um, and then we said, unfortunately, we got some very sad news, and our little baby is is not very well in Mammy's tummy. And we said she was quite poorly and when she was born that she would she would die and she would have to go to heaven. Um, I continued then to explain that I would have to remain pregnant and that my tummy would grow. Um, but it wouldn't make a difference that at the end Grace would have to go. Um, our seven-year-old Holly stood back and she said, What's the point in that? Yeah. So. Um, out of the mouths of babes. Out mm. of the mouths of babes, yeah. Um, so they, they, they didn't really know what way to act in the beginning. And they've had their moments, you know. I mean, a child will say something and then they'll run off and play. And that's the beauty of being a child. <laughs> but then you have... You know, nights where they have difficulty falling asleep and you know what's on their mind. Um, Ruby called me into her room one night and she said, I, I'd i really love to know what Grace would have looked like when she was two. Holly said, um, this is all my fault. I prayed for a, a baby and now God sent us one that's not going to live. So, them told you they're not going to keep a secret. No. So you have to tell then your extended family. Yes. But you can't tell everybody. There are still people who are just going to presume that you're a, a pregnant woman. Yeah. Who's going to go to full term and have a baby, perfectly mm-hmm. healthy baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite difficult, um, especially if the kids are with me when when someone and and nobody means any harm. You know, it's the natural thing to say, when are you due? How many is this? You'll have your hands full now. Sure, You'll have two great helpers. Thing in the world, like, you know? huh? A baby is the best course, thing in the world. And people are so happy world, for yes, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and they just mean well all the time. And then you're caught in a situation. Do you, do you, do you tell them? And and then, as Sinead said one time before, do you fall to pieces yourself? Or do you, do you say it to them what's going on and watch them fall to pieces? Like, yeah. yeah. Do you know, it's so hard. You like you stick a person to the ground when you say it. They get, like, it's, it's visible. You, they get a shock. 
Yeah. It was like the shock we got when we were told, like, you know, it's similar for them. And then they don't know what to say. Um, you can see sometimes when you're in the shop or whatever and you, you meet people that you're, you know, you're, you're acquaintances with or whatever and they'll avoid you. And which is completely normal. I, I've done it myself, you know. Uh, people just thing. don't know what yeah. to say to you. No. Um, they don't want to upset you, of course. And, you know, sometimes just a, a, a hand on your arm or a hand on your shoulder and nod at the head or something, that's all it takes. Like, you know, that's all you need. But yeah. um, it's just a very difficult situation all around. Like. Terrible. And, and Sinead, I, I can't imagine what it's like for you. I, is it every waking moment is because... Every waking moment, right. Yeah. Um, I have tried my best and past to keep life as normal as possible for the girls. They still have to go to their after school activities and um, I still try to bring their friends over to play. But even at that, like the first time we they were they were asking, can my friend come over? Um, I felt I had to tell the kids' mothers because Holly or Ruby could have blurted it out on any stage and you're, you're trying not to upset anybody else or or make anyone else feel awkward. Um, we were in the shop one day and a woman remarked, um, you know, oh, you're pregnant again and when will your baby be due and um, you'll have two great helpers. And Ruby said straight out with a cue behind her, but this baby's going to die. And I just, I didn't know where to look. Um, she didn't say anything wrong no, either, you know. No, But the poor woman that was at the till, I sh- she nearly died. Yeah. So. so it was important to you and your families that you have a funeral for Grace. Yes. So what are, you've put the plans in place already, obviously, have you? Well, we have spoken to the local undertaker and we've um, expressed our wishes that we want Grace to be buried with my father. Um, and the priest, we've spoken to the, the priest, the local priest. Um, we have a baptism booklet ready for Grace for the hospital. Um, we're, and, and yeah, if her coffin is chosen instead of a cot. Now, if things were different, um, you know, in a say, if the Eighth Amendment wasn't there, and that you could have had a compassionate induction in your own country, mm-hmm. do you think you would have opted for that? Yes, Absolutely, I do. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no, there's no, nifts, no, 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 definitely. Yeah. Because it's a lot of people who are on the no side will make you believe that it's this barbaric procedure, but it's actually an induction the same as it is with a baby that's full-term, healthy baby. Um, it's just at an earlier stage. And it's compassionate to not only the mother, but to the baby also, in a lot of cases. And I just feel that if it had been offered, that we would have already started on our journey to healing I, we're never going to get over it, obviously. And Grace will is our daughter, and we we love Over her. The same now as we yeah. did at at Christmas, like you know. Mm. Yeah. Like that, she wouldn't have meant she wouldn't have meant any less to us had she been delivered early. Um, and I wouldn't have put the kids through this either. I, I feel awful guilty for 
um, taking a little bit of their childhood away. Like we told the girls, um, the new baby will be coming in, in May, the end of May. And then all this happened and then um, at one stage, like they're very clever. Um, can we just take her out in April and we'll have her till May? <laughs> you know, like that's that's their logic, like you know. Yeah. You know, and like they just floor you. No, I'm very sorry, but we, you know, we're not going to have her when she comes out. And just I, not that do thing. you plan that Holly and Ruby will meet Grace? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 And they've asked several times, "Can we hold her?" That's very important. Can we meet her? We, we've had, we have made the most of the time we have with Grace because she's alive right now. Yeah. Um, you, you strike me as a lovely couple. You're, <laughs> no, you're very strong together. I can like just do you don't mind me telling you that telling people at home that from the first question I asked, Pat reached over and he's been holding your hand for the whole <laughs> for the whole interview. Mm. Yeah. So if you were to meet somebody in the street now, and I can give you an opportunity, what would you say? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.